podcasting from New York City Times Square. This is ABS in Mind, where we dissect the latest buzz from the asset-backed markets. And I am your host, Diana Satran, fintech and consumer debt reporter here at Deadwire. Today we'll be talking about WeWork. So all the reported valuation cuts, management conflicts, dropping bond values, all within the looming IPO. Let's just say WeWork has been in the news a lot in the past few weeks. Um, so I have a fantastic lineup today to help us dig in. First, we have Maura Sadovi, Associate Editor and CMBS Reporter with Deadwire ABS. Maura, what will we be touching on? I'm going to be talking uh, with Manus Clancy, Senior Managing Director at TREP, a uh, financial services uh, and data firm that, that uh, for, the, for the CRE market who has dug into the CMBS exposure to WeWork. Great. Next, we have Gwelda Wen, CMBS reporter with Deadwire ABS. What's on your mind? Uh, I've been talking to balance sheet lenders for years, actually, about their concerns about being overexposed to WeWork, and uh, a recent lawsuit filed in Manhattan sort of brought a lot of the questions to the fore that uh, landlords, brokers, and bankers have about uh, everyone's exposure to WeWork. Awesome, fantastic. And lastly, we have Bert Eric Tenkate joining us all the way from London. He's the managing director of uh, Deadwire ABS there and uh, reports in the commercial real estate sector. Bert Eric, what's your take? Probably uh, hoping uh, to uh, shed some light on what's happening in uh, London. And uh, we work, uh, bankers and landlords are having trouble uh, pricing buildings uh, that are occupied by WeWork. Fantastic. All right, let's begin then. Maura, could you kick us off? Sure. Um, so I'm um, Manus. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, what, what TREP has found when it dug into the CMBS exposure and CMBS in terms of volume and uh, credit quality. Well, it's, it's certainly a growing exposure for the CMBS market, uh, one that concerns people. It was a big topic at the industry conference in June, just how much space WeWork is gobbling up and, and how much of this is finding its way into the CMBS market. There are over $3 billion in CMBS loans where WeWork is now a tenant at the underlying collateral. Um, so the volume of loans in CMBS post-2010 is approaching 1% of the entire CMBS market and about 4% of loans backed by offices. So that exposure is meaningful. Um, in terms of credit quality, the loans vary in, in the amount of leverage that they have and the exposure to WeWork. You do see loans with low leverage and low exposure to WeWork, like the gas company Tower loan in Los Angeles. Um, the LTV on that loan is only 52, and WeWork occupies only 7% of the space. So it's a situation where CMBS investors are not terribly concerned. Uh, on the other hand, you have a story like 600 California Street where an arm of WeWork actually owns the property and the firm occupies 50% of the space. That's a sizable con concentration. So you really see both ends of the story here and CMBS investors have to um, really keep their eye on the ball in terms of how that exposure differs from loan to loan. How, how does the WeWork exposure um, and uh, differ uh, com as compared to regular office exposure? that uh, CMBS investors grapple with? Well, it's a different business model. 
right? You know, a hundred times out of a hundred, either a landlord or a CMBS investor would take a ten-year loan or a ten-year lease, I should say, to Pfizer or BlackRock or some other investment-grade tenant. In WeWork, you have an unknown business model. You have an unknown um, see-through to who the actual tenants are. You have short-term leases to WeWork um, tenants versus a long-term WeWork exposure to the landlord itself, to the the master landlord. So all of that is really um, uncharted territory right now for the CMBS investor and also for the landlord. Uh, have you seen any indications that uh, that the loans are not performing to date, or, or are they doing pretty well? Well, loans in general in CBS take a long time to uh, play out when, when negative stories take place. Maybe the best contrast you could have is to the retail market, where in 2013 and 2014, we started to hear stories about JCPenney and Sears being on the ropes, yet the store closings didn't start for another two to three years, and now we're only starting to see the distress really pick up significantly a couple of years later. Uh, none of the WeWork loans right now are distressed, which is not surprising. It would take um, a substantial shock to the system to start seeing those loans become distressed immediately. You'd have to start seeing... Uh, WeWork itself, um, have trouble remaining a, a going concern, and then WeWork itself start to reject some of these leases, all of which is very speculative at this point. We expect these loans to continue to perform uh, in the short term, uh, certainly. What about if the WeWork uh, IPO fails? Would that, how would that, I mean, could that be something that did affect the CMBS loans? Well, I think the IPO failing in and of itself is probably not a concern immediately, and a lot of the knowledge is is baked in at this point. So we saw in August a deal price. It was the 600 California Street loan. Um, There was already the news out that the founder had taken a lot of cash out of the WeWork property uh, or the WeWork uh, institution. Uh, There was concerns about... um, leases to owners of properties that were on the board of WeWork and so forth. So a lot of that was baked in, and yet that deal priced pretty tightly and has remained um, with a pretty firm price, a pretty firm bid since then, even though the IPO disclosures have been revealed. So I don't think it's an IPO failure necessarily that rattles the market, but it would be uh, a continual cash burn, the inability to uh, have liquidity, and then ultimately a concern that the firm itself uh, was on rocky financial footing. Is there anything that CMBS uh, investors, I mean, they, there's a lot of d- uh, scrutiny of the loans, yet it, that last one priced well. Is there anything that uh, CMBS investors want to see or are asking for in terms of protections? Well, I think that going back to the retail story, CMBS captured an enormous amount of retail market share in 2013 and 2014, and the CMBS market has a a pretty good discipline. Their buyers are fairly discriminating, and in 2015 and 16, they went back to issuers and said, we don't want B and C class malls anymore. We see the writing on the wall, and you started to see exposure um, to those types of assets really dwindle. 
I think that what you will see in the CMBS market is uh, a little bit of a buyer's strike for properties where there's high leverage, um, high leverage loans, high exposure to WeWork in, in terms of the percentage of space they take up at the underlying collateral. I think you're going to see buyers really push back and either ask issuers to pull those loans from their deals or demand much better pricing, much richer pricing uh, for the bonds to take on that risk. Oh, interesting. Uh, have you heard of any loans pulled to date? Any, any scuttlebutt on that? Well, the big issue that we've seen was not a loan per se, it was a property sale, which was one-tenth wall. And that's really what you're talking about in terms of concentration. WeWork is the sole tenant. It's a rude management property. Um, the building was being put out for sale. An offering memorandum was circulated. And the WeWork concentration risk was disclosed and really discussed openly as what was quoted as a binary problem. And the binary nature of it was that if WeWork fails, there's really no telling what, be ha what happens to the tenant base Beyond that, what happens to the lease? Does the lease get rejected and so forth? And Rudin pulled the deal from the sales market because people were uncomfortable with the disclosure. And that was really the first time we had seen somebody feel the necessity to go out and disclose this to potential buyers and buyers kind of uh, bristle at the idea. So I, I think that that was the start of uh, greater market focus, greater market discrimination and what will become a harder deal for CNBS issuers to pull off. Interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Manis and Mora. Um, good segue to go to um, Guelda now. Could we, um, well, I know you and I spoke before on, you know, about how market is kind of split on this whole WeWork model and how resilient it is. So what's the chatter you're hearing from landlords, brokers, like what's what's going on? Uh, well, WeWork has been on people's minds, I think, for the last couple of years, and there's been a lot of chatter and a lot of skepticism around it. Um, I think people in real estate have seen many a fad come and go and seen some of them really tank the market in a way that sometimes ends up punishing everyone who works in real estate. Um, so there's a caution around things that are kind of, you know, the new hyped up thing. The IPO paperwork did not really make people feel better about WeWork. Um, it, lots of kind of euphemism and a lack of clarity. Um, the day that the paperwork was filed, I got an email from someone who's worked on Wall Street for like 10 years, now works in real estate as a debt broker, um, and it just said, by the way, is it wrong of me to root for WeWork's IPO to flop? <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the deserving people in this industry, watching Neumann and McKelvey each have four plus billion net worth makes my skin crawl. Dito. <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot going on. Uh, there's, there's concern about the model, but that also is mixed with concern about this sort of global concentration risk that WeWork presents, um, potentially. Um, balance sheet lenders have been concerned about, about financing properties that are, I've even heard one more conservative, you know, a bank that has is subject to lots of regulation 
wouldn't even want to do a loan where more than 10% of the office building is leased to WeWork. So there's a lot of caution there. And now we have everything that's gone on with the IPO paperwork. Uh, I foresee I foresee it being pretty hard to finance um, largely WeWork-occupied buildings going forward. Um, and, and of course, I think no one knows, but that doesn't mean that the caution is undue. I mean, real estate companies that call themselves tech companies, but no one's that clear on their business model, have had successful IPOs in the past. Um, it, is this going to be the one that makes everyone reevaluate, you know, what is a tech company? Maybe. <laughs> right. Well, I'm guessing you had a fascinating story on a lawsuit from a landlord. Can you tell us a little about that? I'm guessing that whole thing is not helping either. <laughs> well, it, that lawsuit was interesting because it sort of brought to the fore one of the issues that people had mentioned uh, to me repeatedly about WeWork, which was that they have uh, a special purpose vehicle sign on the dotted line when they lease space often. Um, I don't think that that's an unheard of practice in the U.S. Um, however, there's usually a lot of documentation around it and kind of cooperation and understanding between the um, landlord and the tenant. And uh, it's usually kind of reserved for tenants that have amazing credit. Uh, <laughs> And so this lawsuit, basically, they were, you know, not to get into the real nitty-gritty of it, but WeWork was required to prove that the SPV had a certain value and required to give notice if they were going to change who the guarantor was. And so in the course of transitioning to become the We company, um, they basically failed to give the notice and failed to send, apparently, the documentation about how much the SPV is valued at or, or has that it's you know has access to um yeah well, that's all allegedly right. but um it wouldn't shock me <laughs> um and it's unclear if that was you know an oversight or if that's how they plan to do things or if they couldn't have the documentation you know but in the lawsuit the the landlord said we were could held itself out as this rapidly growing company with great financial aspirations and uh, now media reports, quote unquote, cast great doubt <laughs> on its financial viability, um, which may just be an accusation, but it, it is probably indicative of how some other landlords are feeling after kind of looking through the IPO filing. Right, right. So kind of the, uh, I guess, the bottom line from what you're hearing, obviously, from sources, et cetera, you know, the Starbucks argument. Are people going to give up on uh, WeWork and just go work out of a Starbucks once the recession hits? Or are they going to actually stay in a WeWork because, you know, let's say companies don't want to commit to 10-year leases when the recession hits? So which one is it? What are you hearing? I, I think that is... No one knows, right? <laughs> right. But, um, the, the appeal of WeWork as a landlord has been the flexibility. Well, there's the other side of that coin. And on a macroeconomic level, we've been talking about how the historic expansion has got to be over here in the U.S. We've been saying that for years, though, so who knows? Um, and obviously, WeWork is also the biggest 
tenant in biggest commercial tenant in London. Um, lots going on there, which <laughs> Bert Eric can tell us more about. Um, but there are a lot of things going on, obviously globally, financially, that could affect people's willingness and desire to rent space, even even on a flexible basis. Um, I personally would probably immediately move from the WeWork <laughs> to Starbucks if there was a big downturn, but that's just me. Got it. Thank you. I think it was worth mentioning in the beginning that we're recording this on uh, September 11, Wednesday, because you never know what will happen by the time this uh, episode is actually out and uh, airing. And uh, yeah, Bert, Eric, uh, as Gwelda mentioned, there's a lot happening on the London side of things. Could you give us uh, a quick uh, rundown on what the investors on uh, kind of what's the buzz and chatter around is on the Europe side of things? Yeah, so the uh, UK is uh, Europe's biggest market for uh, WeWork, and last year they uh, were um, responsible for 8% of all the take-up in the office take-up in the UK. Mm-hmm. And CBRE, uh, a property consultant, reckons that this will settle uh, at 8 10% in the long term. Um, what's interesting is that um, there was a study here uh, by CBRE where uh, they try to work out uh, how buildings, office buildings are priced that are occupied by WeWork. And they found that investors want a um, sort of risk discount uh, if, if WeWork is in the building. So if there is a property, an office property, where WeWork occupies uh, less than 50% of the space, then um, they apply a 19 uh, basis point uh, discount on the uh, cap rate. If WeWork, however, occupies more than 50% uh, in, in the building, then they want uh, a higher discount, and uh, then they reckon it's 25 uh, basis points uh, widening uh, cap rate. So that you see the investors sort of uh, having their thoughts, their second thoughts about WeWork, and not quite sure where it's all going. On the lending side, there is a similar sort of hesitance because it's an untested model. Privately, bankers are saying that they don't want more than a certain percentage of uh, WeWork-occupied buildings in their books because, uh, as they point out, the company has never been through um, a downturn. How will it uh, work out? And will they be stuck with the the buildings? Bankers have also privately said that um, they would apply a vacant possession value to um, to an office building occupied by WeWork. So uh, giving it no credit at all uh, that WeWork is in, in the building and just thinking that, well, if it doesn't work out, then we'll have to find another tenant. So we're reverting back to the vacant possession value of uh, the building. And what's interesting is that um, a lot of people agree that this is the, the model for the future. There will be more flexibilities. And indeed, landlords here are already adapting to uh, flexibility themselves. And that's the interesting with WeWork. They, yes, they have disrupted the market, but the market is also uh, changing and adapting. And at the end of the day, um, what WeWork does is not unique. It's not a, a patented product or something. Everybody, every landlord can offer um, more flexibility to uh, its tenants. So then you can ask yourself, what's the point of WeWork if the market is going that way already? So, yeah, it's a lot of interesting uh, questions. The SPV um, issue that Gwelda mentioned is also on the minds of um, lenders here, and uh, they they pointed out that previously the mother company, we the we company, signed um, the long uh, leases, and now it's all down to SPVs. So, if the SPV or if the location doesn't work out, then the SPV will 
just go bust and um, we will pull the plug on a specific location so no recourse for the um, for the bankers or for the uh, the owners of the property so the other interesting thing of course is the the massive losses that the company has uh, racked up two billion dollars last year there's comparisons with uh, there's another direct uh, comparison IWG uh, a less um, hyped company that does the same thing uh, the difference is that um, they are in more locations than we work uh, the other big difference is that they are profitable and mm-hmm. they're only valued at three and a half billion which is a fraction of what we work was aiming for so there's a lot of things to think about that's that's fascinating and uh, I think Manas and Gwelda they both mentioned kind of how this um, IPO buzz is uh, somewhat either affecting or not really affecting the CMBS investors here is that does that have any effect on investors on the London side does, you know is that a subject of conversation too well, of course, everybody is following what's happening with uh, WeWork. It's a big uh, topic, but I can't see it directly impacting uh, WeWork's operations on the ground. Mm-hmm. The only interesting thing, of course, is that um, uh, for its expansion plans, um, there were nine investment banks that had lined up $6 billion for WeWork if the IPO goes ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be needed for um, the, the company's aggressive expansion. Uh, if the big question, of course, is what's going to happen with the um, with the expansion and the six billion dollars of debt that has been promised by these banks? Uh, will it hamper the company, and um, will that eventually then also uh, cause the company um, to to cut uh, certain locations? Uh, I think you've spoken about how the way leases are structured sort of requires a the continual expansion because the the when we work leases a space they don't they don't pay as much or anything perhaps at the beginning of the term of the lease um so if they if their expansion was hampered by you know if they didn't list and didn't get that money how would that affect the larger business potentially it doesn't appear like they are getting um any benefit of scale at this point right whatever they add on is also growing exponentially with their losses. So, um, at least on the U.S. side, we're not seeing any uh, any any real benefit from scale. So, it's really hard to predict. That's very interesting. <laughs> what I also find interesting, in the if you read the IPO document, is um, f- further down in the uh, in the papers. WeWork um, addresses this um, long-term, short-term uh, lease contradiction where they take out a 15-year lease uh, for a building and then in turn they um, they give their tenants the options to, to have um, one month notice period. And in, in the document they say that they want to get away from that model. They What they envisage is um, a model whereby they pay the landlord um, actual rent based on occupancy so how many uh, people are actually in the building so the landlord basically then sits on the losses of uh, unoccupied space and the other model that they're pursuing which they have um, have done to an extent in India is where the landlord pays we work to fit out the building and uh, just manage the buildings and they pay we work a fee and of course that would that is a completely different proposition because then you have just an a property manager, we work will turn into a property manager with, without the risk of the long-term leases. So I think, 
you can see in the document that there is already the sort of the the wariness about the, the long-term, short-term leases. One thing that's been neglected in, in the entire conversation is that WeWork has been adding leases not based on, let's say, the first two or three innings of a nine-inning baseball game, right? They didn't add these leases in 2011 and 2012 when the market was really uh, discounting space after the financial crisis. They've been adding this space when the market has really um, seen tremendous lease rebounding and property valuation rebounding. So they don't even have the tailwind of having having gotten heavily discounted leases at the beginning of the economic cycle. So that is another thing to watch uh, if we start seeing a slowing economy in 2020 or 2021 and, and the market resets to lower rents. I think this is a good good place to end the conversation for now and definitely uh, keep keep this up again when uh, we'll see what's happening with WeWork and the IPO. Apparently, reports are suggesting that it can come as soon as Monday, so we shall see. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining. Thank you, Maura, Gualda, Bardaric, and Manis for joining this conversation. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. See you next time. Thanks for listening to ABS in Mind. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Deadwire and follow us on social media. Please like, share, and comment, and join us for our next episode soon.